Welcome, people, to the Minority Effect. Welcome to another episode. Uh, we're staying consistent. How you? What? Why'd you pause? No, you did it on purpose, bro. My Wi-Fi is not bugging. I can see you moving. Yeah, that. Like, <laughs> you're so surprised for that. <laughs> I can see your head moving. I was like, no, nah, my Wi-Fi is bugging. <laughs> Don't do that again. You're actually cheeky for that. You're actually cheeky for that. Did you actually think my Wi-Fi was fucked? Oh, I wish we could keep that in. That's actually quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so cheeky. Did you look so cheeky. up my Wi-Fi was off? Huh? I, for a second now, I was like, oh, my Wi-Fi is bugging again. And then I saw your head move and I was oh. like, no, no, no. Bro, that's my <laughs> 10 drama skills coming through. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> today we have a very special guest, someone I've seen grow into an amazing man over the past few years. Kaval, uh, if you ever make me repeat that, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, someone I've seen grow, someone very articulate, very intelligent, someone who's going to be doing amazing things one day. Um, we're joined by Kaval, a third year medic at UCL. Kaval, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit more? Tell us about the work that you're currently doing. Uh, hey everyone, I'm Kaval. I'm a third year medical student from UCL and I'm from East London. So it's the same place where Hanif is from, generally. Um, and originally my family is from India, but I've been here all my life. Mm -hmm. And Kaval has been doing a lot of amazing work recently, um, working directly on the COVID wards to assist doctors in ICU. Um, why don't we start discussing a little bit of that? So how has COVID-19 shaped your experience as a student? And can you give us a bit of the, a rundown of some of the work that you're currently doing? Yeah, so I'd say it's actually changed so much about the uni experience. And I think pretty much everyone, every student in the country can agree with that. Um, pretty much most of our stuff has been moved uh, to staying at home, uh, which isn't obviously very interesting, especially in medicine where everything's really practical. Um, but an opportunity which we've all been given, which is really great, is we've, we've been called to help out on the front lines of the intensive care units of some of the busiest hospitals in, in London at the moment um, because of the second coronavirus wave uh, across winter. So it's been a really good opportunity to be able to go to the front line, see what's actually happening and give whatever little help we can give um, wherever we can. That's mad. Are you hearing this? It's yeah. <laughs> real crazy, bro. Honestly, um... I've got a friend who's uh, been helping out in the front line as well as a nurse, um, kind of doing some work here and there. Uh, and, it's, and it's incredible to see that people my age are already, you know, like having such a big impact. In yeah, right. yeah, no, it's, 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 it's amazing to see as well. It's amazing to see everyone helping out. It's crazy. You know, you make, you make me wonder, what the fuck am I doing with my life? <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing big for the community and I'm here sat in my room. Oh, no, no. Bro. I'm watching the room. <laughs> Oh God, no, oh, no, don't worry. I have enough time to watch Naruto as well. Everyone's got time to watch Naruto. Mm. But I'm interested, I'm interested to know a bit more about like what, what type of stuff you do uh, in yeah. the front line, because you're yeah. in the trenches, you're deep in, elbows No, deep. no, yeah, exactly. So actually the help that we can give is probably quite limited now, um, but actually because of staffing issues and et cetera, our main role is basically to make the nurses' lives easier. We all, we all know that nurses are, nurses are working, you know, on the clock days on end, nights on end. Um, so everything we can do to help them make their job easier and basically take the, the workload off them and makes everything a lot easier for them when they get home. So stuff like administering drugs, um, drawing out drugs, 
helping clean the patients, helping take blood from the patients, um, taking observations, basically things which every hour the nurses have to do, but we can make it a bit easier for them um, and give them a hand wherever they need. And just to, just to let the people know properly, like how often, how, what's the work schedule like? What's, the, what's your day looking like in terms of hours? Like how much, how much does everyone work? Well, it's at the moment it's completely um, they encouraging they're encouraging everyone to do. Um, so I've worked in IC for three weeks now, and I've I've done about three or four shifts a week. So last week I actually got the opportunity to do I got allocated to do um, two night shifts in a row, which was eight pm to eight am, and then again eight pm to am the next morning as well. Um, so it was actually it was actually a really good opportunity. It was on the it was on one of the higher floors on UCLH. Just got to see the uh, got to see the sunrise in the morning. But um, it was really encouraging because, you know, in the staff room, everyone was really tired during their breaks, but everyone was still after their break going back into the into the ward and giving everything they had um, and giving all the energy towards their patients. Um, but yeah, in general, they, they expect quite a few hours from us um, if you can. But again, they encourage us to help as much as we can. What's the um, dynamic like on those wards amongst the staff? Um... Mm patient it's just it's just also positive from what i've seen to be honest so so um uh, an interesting statistic which we were told which is actually quite interesting was the fact that ordinarily in an intensive care unit um there would be one intensive care unit uh, nurse for every one patient but with the current covid surge surge they're, th they're saying that there's around three patients for every icu staff nurse so what happened is loads of people have just been redeployed from all different sorts of sectors so on the intensive care unit, um, you have medical students like us helping, you have pharmacists, physiotherapists, um, dietitians, um, nurses from different departments who've never worked a single day on ICU, but have just been thrown into the deep end um, and are really like enjoying learning and helping as well. So it's not just medical students, it's also professionals from all sorts of, all sorts of veins of life. Madness. And I can hear just from the way you're describing everything, from the way you're I don't know, bro. You, you have like a very hopeful tone, you know. Um, yeah. Like I can tell, I can tell like how how much I, I can see how much you care about the, your peers, and I can imagine how like close uh, people get uh, under such situations, such scenarios, and obviously try to provide support for each other. But honestly, um, hat off to you and all the people uh, currently working in the front line, uh, whether that's at hospitals or even teachers. Um, I know teachers have been going through it as well, man. So uh, shout out to yeah, no, of course, people working in the social sector. One thing now, going uh, more just deeper into the the dynamic uh, at in the hospital. Um, so when we spoke off camera, uh, you mentioned uh, kind of like the background of the people that are working in in the hospitals. Um, could you just give us an outline of what that is? Yeah, yeah, of course. So something which I noticed, which was uh, really interesting, and it's something which I noticed pretty quickly, was that the workforce um, and the nurses and the doctors that were helping in the front lines and helping the hospital were just of such a diverse background. Um, there was there was people who I was speaking to who were uh, who came fresh from different countries in the past year, for example, um, people who have immigrated in the past ten years, who or who've worked for the NHS for the past ten years, following that following that move, um, people who are from from this country, from uh, Britain. And actually, everyone had the exact same work ethic, irrespective of, of their background, irrespective of their ethnicity, irrespective of their immigration backgrounds. Everyone has such a solid and positive work um, outlook on the workforce. 
Uh, so I met, for example, loads of nurses um, and doctors who came from the Philippines, for example, loads who came from Canada, loads who came from Europe, um, from Spain, etc., Italy. Um, and what unified everyone was actually the strong workforce and how optimistic everyone was and how positive everyone was about the situation. Does that in any way um, shape your thoughts or understanding of the NHS or how you perceive your job to be in the future? You know, I'm, I'm assuming it, it's probably really inspiring to, to see that kind of work ethic with people from all kinds of different backgrounds. Of course, actually, it completely excites me to looking forward to the future, um, to be able to work in such a diverse workplace. I think something which is, I'm speaking to my friends who are studying studying subjects in, in, in different um, subjects or studying degrees in different subjects and are preparing for the world of work um, next year. Uh, something that they're kind of worried about is moving to a less diverse workplace after going to a university such as UCL, which is pretty diverse in its, in its demographic. Um, so actually the prospect of moving um, into a workplace which is very diverse is actually really exciting for me. Um, it's something which will always keep being exciting and won't lose its, its novelty. Yeah, of course. And you know, me, for example, being a, a first generation immigrant and being the son of, of one of these key workers. So my mom, my mom was a cleaner, for those of you that don't know. And um, she doesn't work at hospitals specifically, but she's worked in all type of places from offices to houses. She's done like, everything. So just, just to know that there are people like my mom who are supporting in whatever way they can um, through what some people may uh, think is not uh, a very valuable profession. Um, like they're, they're really doing the dog work that people wouldn't usually want to do. Um, and to see that, that those people who uh, a lot of, of them are not even from this country uh, still, still risk their lives to go and do that is it's, it's amazing and so touching to me, especially being the son of one of those workers. And I've always been proud to say that my mom um, is a cleaner. When I was younger, I wasn't, um, but over time, uh, definitely. And especially now with the situation. No, of course, you can see how much the work underpins literally everything um, which is happening right now. So. Um, are there any stories specifically that have resonated with you being at the SCU? And I know obviously there's issues with confidentiality. So be as anonymous as possible and uh, as general as possible. But are there any general stories that have touched you? Yeah, no, of course, there's been, there's been so much. I've seen so much. Um, one thing I think for me, which personally resonates with me quite well, is um, actually being going into the ICU week by week. Um, we actually get allocated to the same places. So actually, a typical patient, especially with COVID, who's been hit by COVID bad, might be in an intensive care unit for you know, two to three weeks. So actually, I got to see the same patients week in, week out um, for the weeks that I've been working. And actually, it's been really promising to see um, a really big you know, improvement in a lot of the patients. One week, I might go there and they might be really poorly and completely ventilated. And the week after, for example, I saw the same patient being able to talk and being able to completely breathe without help of the ventilator. So stuff like that is something which is really encouraging to see. Um, and although there are some upsetting things that you will see um, and some prog progressions which might not be as hopeful, um, seeing some of the positive outcomes in those patients is something really, really motivating. Do you think that your work in the ICUs has changed or shaped your thoughts of your degree as a whole? I feel like maybe pre-COVID and post-COVID, all the stuff that's happening now, I feel like for any future medics, it really must change your mindset in a big, big way. 
No, of course, I, th I think it, I think it definitely did. Uh, in terms of, it kind of showed me in a gruesome way um, like the realities of maybe the career, and of course we're going to hope that there's going to not going to be another pandemic, hopefully in our in our lifetime. But of course, I think we've all realised from COVID that actually is a really big reality that could happen um, at any point in our life again. Um, so yeah, it showed me the gruesome realities of what a career in medicine might entail. Um, I think it also kind of showed me as well. Um, especially working alongside all the nurses actually in this pandemic and in this situation with critically ill COVID patients actually it's the nurses which are really really helping these patients survive them on a day-by-day -day basis and of course every single member of the medical team is really important but it kind of highlighted to me the importance of every single aspect of of the multidisciplinary team um it's the speech therapists who come in the physiotherapists who have come in and help them move around on a weekly basis um, and it's not just black as white as doctor-patient. Um, there's so many more aspects to it. Yeah, especially especially because uh, quite a lot of the time, actually, I think frequently when you think about like what's going on in hospitals, you don't really think about like these people like in in these very specific roles, like mm. physiotherapists and and whatnot, and obviously nurses are sometimes like not uh, seen as as high higher regard um, as doctors. Especially, I don't know, I don't know if this resonates with you guys, but for example, like within within minority groups, within the Latino community, I've, I know people who have uh, like had conversations with their parents where their parents have been like, where they're, they're studying for something like nursing and the, the, their parents have been like, oh, why don't you stay on and be a doctor instead? Like that gives you more money, it's a higher regard, it's a better status. Um, I don't know if you, you guys have found that uh, yourselves in your own uh, families, cultures. Yeah, I think, I think it's something which I've definitely, you know, heard about. Um, I've, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but it's something which I've definitely yeah, heard about. And I think it is, a, it is an attitude which is definitely pretty prevalent um, and quite a negative attitude as well, which, which needs to change. But yeah, something which is definitely yeah, there. Kabal, did you ever feel a kind of pressure from your family or extended family or friends to pursue this as a career? Because I feel like from knowing you, I feel like you've always wanted to do medicine and it's always been something that you're very skilled at, very passionate about. But I never knew if that was something that you felt pressured to do. So for, for me personally, um, I don't think I had parental pressure or family pressure to um, pursue medicine, although I know that's something which loads of people face. Um, I was one of the first peoples to uh, enter medicine or enter the medical field um, in my family. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it's something which um, is, a, is an attitude which obviously isn't very healthy for loads of people. I do know people who've probably been pushed into pushed into studying medicine even if they don't particularly want to do it. Um, and I think that causes loads of problems down the line. But um, yeah. Interesting. And do you think I don't? I wanted to ask you this uh, based on what you were saying earlier, um, and and like what Hanifa asked you about how it shaped it shaped your perspective of of the role of a medic uh, and and being part of that that field and that, that place of work. I want to ask you. Um, so for you, it was encouraging having this experience. Do you know of anyone uh, that has maybe changed their mind? Maybe they found it too gruesome and they haven't been able to handle it. Um, why don't you basically talk to us a bit more about some of the mental aspects that a doctor might Yeah, no, of course, that's, that's, that's such a good point, actually. Um, I have a few friends who, who, who started working on the uh, intensive care unit and um, after the after the first few shifts, they they called it a day, and they were like, "Yes, it's not really it's not really something I want to continue continue doing." Um, I don't particularly think it's maybe reconsidered their their decision in medicine, 
but um, maybe redirected them thinking that's particularly an area they don't particularly want to go into. Um, but yeah, definitely the mental health aspects of, of this pandemic, especially on healthcare workers, is something which is definitely recognised as well. Um, I know that, for example, the hospital that um, I help out at does have mental health services um, advertised for healthcare professionals and for all their staff working at the hospital. Um, they have designated rooms to, to relax in, to sleep in. Um, they have, you know, motivational messages all around. So at least that's really encouraging to see. Um, but of course, nevertheless, I think mental health issues, et cetera, um, in a time like this are definitely going to hit all those people working at the hospital full time. I wanted to know if, that means obviously putting you on the spot. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to know basically if you had any things that you would like to, to see, especially given the fact that you've already experienced, you know, quite a, an intense uh, uh, sh shift uh, as a doctor. So I wanted, to, I wanted to see if you had any ideas of what you, you would like to see or what maybe coming up from one of those shifts, you were like, oh, I wish we had this as like a support for uh, medic, medical um, professionals. I think, I think it's probably quite difficult to, um, to yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I think it's probably quite difficult to think of things to, to implement. Um, I would say probably, you know, support groups that could be done on a weekly basis for, for staff, which are, which are particularly taking it quite difficult. Um, or there being perhaps a forum where, where you could talk about potential like issues, um, for example. I think a lot of the issues um, which come around is also the, the overdrive, which a lot of the nursing staff and doctors will have to be working. So um, a lot of the, the reasons why these problems stem from or yeah, where these problems stem from is the overworking of these staff. So perhaps if there was, you know, an increase in staffing that could help lighten the workload. But yeah, it's obviously a very challenging thing, which obviously um, loads of hospitals, loads of trusts are, are working on, 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 on working towards, yeah. Are there any things you think that, because all of those things obviously have to do with the well-being um, of a worker, but I think more on, on, on a basic level, even like I've heard some problems with like doctors and nurses having to pay for like parking and stuff, like like stupid stuff, like basic stuff that could very easily be uh, changed and, and modified by the people in charge, whether that's government policy makers. Um, no, of course, no, I, I, I completely agree. I, th I, th I think something as small as, as like the having issues parking in the morning can, can set you up for a bad 12 hour shift following. Um, and it's small things like that which make such a huge difference. I mean, if you can if you can get into work easily in the morning, then I'm, I'm sure it'd be better to have um, you know a 12 hour shift following. And I, I saw firsthand when I when I arrived at 8 a.m. Um, a nurse coming in for a 12 hour shift, also 8 a.m. Something happened in the morning on the tube which agitated her, um, and I could see that you know as soon as she walked on the ward, like don 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 with all her PPE, that was something which she she was telling us about, and she was you know quite angry about, not particularly anywhere you want to start a 12 hour shift um but yeah it can make such a huge difference small things like that Kabal, let's talk a little bit now about your university experience you know give us a rundown of, of your experience as a minority at ucl i mean i know it's very diverse how do you think that has shaped your experience as a medic yeah so um i would agree actually i would say that ucl has been in my experience pretty diverse um especially with i think the course that i study across the country is pretty, it's, it's more diverse than um, other courses, I think statistically. Um, 
I feel like, yeah, I've, I've found uh, a group which I fit in with pretty well. Um, and I think at UCL, at least, I think there is a group for everyone. Yeah, and that's something which has probably shaped my experience quite quite a lot. Um, I think one of the advantages which um, universities in London you know, pose to students when they're applying for medicine is that when you're studying here, you get to meet a broad range of broad range of conditions. Um, and because we have such a diverse population in London, you'll see so much more in clinics and in hospitals. Um, so that's something quite interesting. I think also sharing those experiences with a diverse cohort in my year is something quite interesting. Um, and will definitely give me more experiences, I think, than studying perhaps at a less diverse university, definitely. Do you feel like there's a bit of a divide maybe on your course or amongst different groups? I mean, I know that ethnics tend to sort of stick with other ethnics. It makes them feel a lot more comfortable. But have you experienced that at all? Yeah, no, actually, I have experienced that uh, quite, yeah, it's quite, it's quite strong, especially in, our, in, in all of our years at, at this school, especially. Um, I think, yeah, different ethnic groups actually tend to, you know, stick together or congregate together. Um, and I don't think that's something which happened particularly on purpose um, at the beginning of the at the beginning of year one. But I think it's something which kind of naturally might have might have happened and then just followed that course throughout the years um, of the med school. But yeah, definitely something which I've noticed quite blatantly as well. Yeah, of course. And I think, like you mentioned, for example, uh, once again off camera, and I found it quite shocking. You said that if you stand at the yeah. front of the um, lecture hall and yeah. you see like a certain like a group of white people on one side and then you you would see like ethnic groups on another side kind of and then in the middle it's just like a mixture kind of but like yeah no definitely actually it's completely true if you if you stood at the front of our lecture theater and it looked out you would be able to see like with your blind eye you would be able to see uh, a clear difference um between the two sides of lecture theater and that's something which i think anyone in our year would be able to vouch for anyone would would accept that and every anyone would would agree with that comment to be honest um, and that's something which from what from what we know um resonates in all the years it's happened in the year below years, years above um no one knows quite how or why um but it perhaps might be because of you know the extracurriculars which everyone does and if you if you make friends with with people for example the similar ethnicity outside of uni um naturally i think you congregate together in uni Despite your course being quite diverse, I know that you joined some extracurriculars to sort of meet different people. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? I know that you joined Hindu Society in your first year. Yeah, that's something which I um, really enjoyed doing in my first year. Uh, I then continued to go on to committee in second year, something which I really enjoyed, actually. I met so many people um, of different um, ethnicities or different, you know, from different countries, for example, um, and people who I actually wouldn't ordinarily meet. And those people who weren't even Hindu who, who came to our events and had a great time, we loved, loved meeting them, um, loved showing them around, loved, loved showing them new things. Um, but it's a big thing which shaped um, a huge part of my uni experience so far. And it, it, you mentioned a variety of countries. So does that mean that in the Hindu society at UCL, a lot of international students get involved? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think it's uh, something which loads of international students come to, come to our events. Um, I think sometimes there has been questions about is it it could be quite challenging for international students to integrate into the society as much as possible and I think that's something which loads of cultural societies kind of kind of struggle with um, but you know we've always been working or we've always have worked on trying to get international students more involved in all our events and more comfortable here. Yeah yeah because that's that's that seems to be an, uh, a running theme like uh, 
like in societies across across universities across the UK like yeah whenever there's a society to, to do with like culture or traditions it seems to be that like a lot of the um there seems to be like a divide within within the society almost like where international students don't find it um as easy to like relate and link to uh to people for, for example I've grown up in the UK do you feel like that's uh, anything to do with maybe like how like even though like we're we're close to our culture we we love representing our culture we kind of like have a perception you know like the the freshy perception like when someone's a freshy uh you know like it's some sometimes shit can be a bit funny taking out a uh, you know like a joke um do you feel like that contributes to to that kind of like divide within society no, of course. I think I think that's yeah. I think you got it bang on head. To be fair, I think that's uh, attitude which loads of people have. I think it's quite easy to to fall into that as well, uh, especially with stuff you see, stuff you read around as well. Um, yeah, and I think that's something which is definitely prevalent at the societies which I've been, you know, a part of. Um, something which we try to to go away from. Um, and I think fundamentally, a lot of things come down to you know differences in in also beliefs to a certain extent. So, for example, the, the best example that I have would be for a Hindu society. We have um, quite a lot of events and at our events, we serve alcohol. So that's um, a bit of a controversial point. Um, that's only because uh, as Hindus, it's, there's nothing particularly said about not drinking alcohol. However, um, people who you know might see everything a little bit more traditionally or might um, you know join Hindu society for more spiritual reasons um, have often raised a problem with the fact that uh, alcohol and late night events have been introduced within the society that's something which we've definitely considered and we've definitely talked about uh, but each year i know that's a running theme that um is always brought up Kabal, let's talk a little bit more about your course now um do you think after the black lives matter movement there was a response with the course in terms of decolonizing medicine was that something that you noticed at all no, that was something which was definitely, definitely discussed extensively. So uh, a lot of people in our year, including myself, um, helped go back um, some of the uh, decolonizing the medical curriculum campaigns that those people were, were running. So, for example, a, a big thing um, in our year, for example, was posting on the forum because obviously everything was happening under lockdown at this point. So we couldn't do it in person. But some of the things which were being posted were, for example, decolonizing the medical curriculum in terms of diagnosis of certain conditions. So for example, with dermatology, certain skin conditions will present completely differently on black skin or brown skin, for example, compared to how they would present on white skin. And it's not as simple as, as translating that to a different background color or, or, or a different you know, backdrop. Um, the whole presentation of the condition will completely change. And that's something which students began to realize, um, especially following the whole Black Lives uh, Matter movement. And something which the university actually responded to pretty positively and they, they they've said that in future years they'll have an increased involvement of pictures or diagrams or conditions presented in groups of ethnic minorities mm, yeah because um i've i've noticed uh, a lot of time uh you for example especially in london we talk about like i'll be going to a bus and i've noticed like posts where they they said like um if you're if you're a black male um, and you haven't yet been screened slash tested for certain conditions 
and make sure you do so because it's more 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 likely to to happen in certain certain uh, ethnic backgrounds. So it's, it's interesting to see that already in the formation of uh, medical students, medical professionals, there there is already a lack or for uh, recognition of those uh, of those conditions in in, in ethnic minorities, um, which obviously yeah. probably exactly. Exactly, and that's, I think that's fundamentally something which which is which is definitely wrong with the medical curriculum. I think at the earliest level, stuff like that should be taught very early on, um, and of course, that's something which yeah you might learn later when you specialise later in your career, but that's something which as a medical student should fundamentally be instilled in, in everyone. I think, and being able to diagnose differentially across all sorts of ethnic minorities is something which is really important. Yeah, is there anything specific that? you would like the university to introduce onto the course or you think takes precedence and should be introduced? Yeah, so we um, we actually, every week we have something we call clinical and professional practice, which is essentially not to do with medicine, uh, but rather to do with working with people, interacting with people and communicating. So each week we'll have sessions on communicating, on talking, on teamwork, stuff like that. Um, social determinants of health, etc. However, I've always thought there's quite a lack of social determinants of health and understanding what determines different healthcare options to different people based on their, on based on their 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 ethnic backgrounds, based on their socioeconomic status, etc. Um, stuff like that, a, a greater involvement, stuff like that would be really really interesting. And I think there's plenty of statistics and plenty of like facts, which I hope or I, I feel like people might have read, um, which would back stuff like that up. Yeah, and I, I'd, I'd be very interested to to know how some of the research uh, going on with things like the vaccine uh, and stuff, uh, stuff, ooh, <laughs> uh, and stuff. English is my second language, by the way. So, uh, uh, how like different studies uh, and developments of, of uh, medical treatments um, take into account how how these different conditions can uh, appear differently uh, for example like you said in dermatology across different skin tones um, and specifically like recently with a vaccine um, I know you mentioned once again uh, off camera uh, Kaval, that you you heard about some some madness about the effectivity rate can you, can you quickly mention a bit more about that yeah I think I think it was on the news um, just a couple of weeks ago to be honest uh, it was just about the concerns of BAME populations and the effectivity or the effectiveness of the of the vaccine in those populations as compared to um, different populations and I think there was a discrepancy found in the effectiveness of um, the vaccine in BAME populations and that's quite that's quite worrying as we know that uh, COVID disproportionately affects uh, BAME patients um, and that's something which you can see in in the lists of, of doctors or medical professionals which have died from COVID um, very clearly. And I think there's always been, well, there has been, um, you know, a lack of ethnic representation in loads of clinical trials, irrespective of COVID, even from years back. And um, when we look at clinical trials of, of drugs, of surgeries, of, of different procedures, um, and that's something which, you know, we need to always move away from, move away looking for a more ethnic diverse ethnically diverse cohort um, to make the most effective solution for the whole population. I'd be interested to know, like, I, I don't know if you know of any, uh, of any, not necessarily stories, because obviously once again, um, the whole uh, idea of being confidential and stuff, which obviously no, comes from, but I wanted to, 
I wanted to know if um, you've heard of anyone who maybe has struggled to actually like um, diagnose someone because during, let's say, university, during their formation as a medic, uh, like we said, when they were shown how it's uh, how it should, how it comes across, how is what do you call it? Like, what's the word? How it presents. Yeah, how it how it presents in uh, in let's say in white people, and it might differ, and then in in, in ethnic minority, and then they fail to almost recognize it. Have you ever have you ever heard of any stories like that? So, pers- I don't think I personally would have any stories personally like that. But yeah, again, that is something which I've I've definitely heard about um, broadly. Um, I know that there's definitely loads of misdiagnoses in um, you know, groups, certain groups of ethnic uh, backgrounds, for example. Um, for example, the, the, one of the well-known facts is um, during childbirth, uh, black patients or, or black mothers are, are you know, more at risk of, of passing away during labour. Um, and that's something which, you know, when surveyed, loads of, loads of medical professionals didn't actually know. And that's something which, you know, I didn't know. I read that off, off Instagram, for example, but that's something which, you know, following a reproduction module, which I studied in year one, year two, something which I would expect to have, you know, to have come across in university. Um, but stuff like that, again, you know, an emphasis of social determinants of health, an emphasis of the different factors apart from science, which might affect medicine, would be interested, uh, would be interesting to, you know, integrate into the curriculum more. Do you feel like uh, some of the stereotypes are commonly associated with certain ethnic minorities in society? Um, play a role in how uh, different medics uh, respond to different situations specifically to do with like uh, these elements of over-exaggeration uh, and whatnot. No, de- yeah, definitely. I think, I think that's something which possibly loads of medical professionals at the moment. And, and I think inevitably it, what you, it's something which you probably would see in, in the healthcare sector, obviously not, for, not in a good way. Um, I would hope that you know, with an incoming new generation um, of you know medical professionals, that's something which, with the generational change of, of professionals, could be eradicated, could be moving in the right direction, um, with more progressive thinking. Kaval, before we wrap up the episode, is there anything else you want to mention about your course, about your experiences in these wards? Um, I think you've really brought a new, fresh perspective on university courses especially with the course you do and the work that you're currently undertaking is there anything else you want to mention yeah i just wanted to want to mention it's been uh, it's been a really good opportunity to work on those wards um and i think part of part of the reason why um i've enjoyed it so much part of the reason why it's been such a good opportunity for me is the diverse group of people that i've met and the people that I've worked around um i think the fact that you know i've been surrounded by such a diverse workforce um I've, I've talked to so many different people and everyone has a completely different story um, about, you know, where they trained, where they came, when they came, um, how they found their experiences here so far. Um, so it's been really exciting and, and every day is, is, is a new opportunity to meet new people with a completely different, you know, background and history. So it's been, yeah, in that, in that way, I think part of the reason why it's been so great and been so humbling to work um, in the intensive care units is, is the people that are doing, doing that job full time on the clock overnight etc yeah i think watching you have these experiences um it's it's great because it means that i mean obviously the conditions and the circumstances aren't great but it's great to see you have an opportunity to explore your course before you properly become a doctor but you know have these unique experiences and um makes me so proud to see you 
like this, uh, I think you're going to be an amazing, very caring doctor someday. But Cheers, Anish. Thank you for that. Wow, look at us. Look at <laughs> us. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for thank you for letting me speak. It's been great. Thank you for asking great questions. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Kavar. I think honestly, it's been so so insightful, and I hope that to everyone listening, it has been as as insightful. Um, I've learned so much over over the period of whatever forty five minutes to an hour. Um, it's, it's been like a little crash course introduction to medicine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, and honestly. Um, I want to give you a round of applause because some of the stuff you've been doing has been absolutely incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, and to see, to see, to see that you're uh, you're so passionate about what you do, and to see that you're so uh, so so grateful uh, and so humble uh, with it as well is very encouraging. Uh, and I hope that the future generation of doctors does ref reflect. Uh, you Kaval. Yeah once again Kaval thank you so much for appearing on this. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, make sure people uh, you're staying at home uh, you're following the rules following the guidelines obviously we got we got someone like Kaval um, that is uh, trying to do as much as possible for the community so don't let that go to waste. Uh, thank you so much everyone for tuning in. It's a bye from me. <laughs> oh not this again bye from me as well <laughs> we never know how to end it <laughs> well i say bye from me as well thank you for tuning into the minority effect <laughs>